This call is being recorded. Good evening, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whichever way, whichever time you're listening to it. This is Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We've got you a post-game show. Browns have won four out of five. Look, whether you're burying it, whether you're not, look, just keep winning. Let the chips fall where they may. Your post-game edition of Locked On Browns. Pete Smith and the Streetsboro crew, as you guys know, celebrating a great season. We were able to get somebody to come in here today. And, you know, even though he originally left this place a mess and I had to clean it up, I'm always glad when he comes on in. So your local experts on the biggest stories Cleveland Browns wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. From the Orange and Brown Report, former Locked On Browns host, Jared Mueller is going to sit down. We'll break this one down for you. Look, guys, yeah, it was a crazy morning. And look, uh, Odell's a lightning rod and everything that comes along with it. But what you needed to do today was go out and beat the Bengals because you want to show you can at least handle your division first. But A number one, just keep winning. Jared, how you been, bud? Man, you know, it's been a weird season. It's uh, It's been a weird month or so for me personally. And so it's good to come on and chat with you. And again, uh, we, we spent a lot of time losing games under Hugh Jackson. So while it feels not great, six and seven is great is six and seven and it's a win today against a divisional rival. Like those things matter whether or not I like the look, uh, a win is a win and let's keep winning. When you're within division, look, I mean, there's no script and you know, you know, you're not going to boat race everybody. Uh, you know, these teams know each other inside and out. You got to figure it out. And obviously a lot of names that nobody knew going into today's game. Um, but it did seem weird from this one. Um, you know, everybody had talked about, you know, the Bengals defense, not much is going on there. Well, you know, other than maybe Nick Chubb's 57-yard touchdown run, it seemed weird where it was like, all right, we'll just let the D handle this. We don't have Vernon. We don't have Miles Garrett. But don't worry. The defense is going to put this one to bed. Granted, they kind of did in, you know, the whole bend, not break mentality. But certainly not the uh, Trump card I would have played here, so to speak. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I don't care how good the rest of your defense is. If you have no pass rush everything else falls apart and people are like, well, you should blitz. You should send more guys. Then everything else falls apart. When you have red wine and Mac Wilson and Sione Taki Taki and greedy Williams four rookie starters, right? Or four rookies playing a lot of minutes and no pass rush, just send an extra guy means you're getting taken over the top. You know, a lot of things are happening. So uh, yeah, putting it on the defense, especially in the first half where the Browns thought, passing the ball was a great idea, just made absolutely no sense. And then you look at the Bengals, the Bengals really had a lot of pretty significant uh, possessions, four minutes, four minutes, three and a half, seven minutes, eight minutes. There were uh, some possessions there where the Bengals looked like they were trying to do what the Browns should have been doing, which is get the ball out quick, run the ball, do those kind of things. Thankfully, the Browns defense and the Bengals desire to tank and Andy Dalton all came together to allow the, a lot of those uh, red zone trips to end up empty, which is something Browns fans were used to most of the season. Um, a defensive touchdown. Now, I've heard other teams do this, and it's it's kind of neat. And I think it was in 17 in Houston, I think was the last one, if I remember correctly, which tells you how long I've been here because <laughs> we covered that one, for God's sakes. Uh, but just nice to see. And look, you know, 
there are playmakers on this defense when you're missing Olivier, when you're missing Miles, everybody's got to, you know, you say step it up. It's really like step it up twice once you get to pass rushers three, four, and five. But you get a break like that, you absolutely got to capitalize it, capitalize on it. And they were able to do it today, Jared. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I pointed out on Twitter on the OBR account is uh, it may not have made a difference, but I love seeing Sheldon Richardson trying to get a block uh, during that return by Denzel Ward. There was a lot of things about today's game, whether it was OBJ blocking that by Sheldon Richardson. There were a lot of things that showed me a team that hadn't given up on each other, probably their coaches. I mean, putting that kind of referendum on their players' effort is always tough. Uh, We're not playing at that level. We don't know everything that's going on. But it was really good to see, you know, Ward got the pick, and then he was gone, and his his teammates were blocking for him, and then Richardson being all the way down the field, trying to make a block, I think it was around the three-yard line. Those things are just things that you want to see from a team that wants to compete because you have to remember there are very few players in this team that have any experience in the NFL winning. There's a few, but not many that have any experience and know how to win at the NFL level. And that is difficult. It's why you see a lot of scores, 27, 19, eight is going to be a pretty big spread in the NFL. You know, Dallas, Chicago was a seven point game, even though the talk after that game was how Chicago destroyed Dallas, right? It's just, those games are going to be close. It's tough to win in the NFL. Green Bay is a really good team and beat Washington, which is a horrible team by five points, right? So uh, it was just good to see those effort plays that are just necessary to win at the NFL level. And what we got to see today and Sheldon Richardson, and this is definitely a name I wanted to get into is look, you know, Miles Garrett, Olivia Vernon, they get a lot of press, but I mean, Sheldon was brought in here and even from 12 hours after it was kind of agreed upon because then they traded for Beckham. It was almost like it was just quiet and never really given the respect it is. And But what you saw from Sheldon today, and this is one thing I've preached about him constantly because I saw him all these years here with the Jets, is inside, traditional D-end. He played edge rusher at times, would look so stupid standing up, but, I mean, the Jets <laughs> need him to do it. He's got experience everywhere. And you talk about the, you just talked about this with guys who don't necessarily know how to win but want to. And that's what you saw from a player like Sheldon Richardson today who kind of looked around and was like, all right, well, I guess I'm one of the stars of this D today. I'm going to do everything I got to do. And it opened up things. You know, Larry Ogunjobi, um, who is someone I've been high on since we drafted him, um, hasn't really had a good season. But today he was he, he was looks so in. Slim. He, was, he was there, right? Like he was a part of the game. He made an impact. Um, it allowed things to happen when Sheldon Richardson uh, kind of makes a difference in a different variety of ways. Cause if not everything else is, you know, Brian Cox got a couple pressures, but besides that on the defensive line, that's all you have is Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi and whatever Brian Cox is going to provide for you. And I'm not going to pretend like he's one of my guys. I have no idea. Uh, just hasn't been able to focus a lot of energy on him, but the fact that Richardson can kind of solidify that can go play out on the edge, even at his size and is going to put forth that effort. That's the kind of player you want to build around. You know, it, it's, you know, it, it's what you need. And, you know, because we, we've talked about this, you know, with Miles Garrett and with Olivier's an assignment guy. Miles going to get everything thrown at him. And you saw how the Browns ended up losing to Pittsburgh last week is if you have enough quality rushers, it doesn't matter how much blocking you do because you're going to have to leave somebody in a one-on-one situation. And if that player is good as well, it's over. And you saw it with Hargroves versus Teller last week. Um, one thing I do want to slip into here real quick was, um, we started a new right tackle this week, and I don't know if I noticed anybody complaining about the right tackle this week. 
that was actually funny. Uh, Jeff Risen and I were DMing back and forth during the game. Like, is, is Kendall Lamb actually know what he's doing out there? Like, is this, am I seeing things? Am I just, but the reality was, is that he looked like someone and this probably is too much psychology from the mental health professional, but he looked like someone <laughs> who knew what he was doing instead of guessing. He, he had a plan and he, and he lived with that plan and he went out and, and executed that plan versus Hubbard, who looks like he's just hoping he got it right. Like, please God, let this guy actually do a speed rush up the field. Cause that's what I think he's going to do. And if anything else happens, I am done. Kendall lamb had an idea of what he was doing. I don't think he's special in any way, shape or form, but he knew what he was doing. He acted like a professional um, against the Cincinnati Bengals front four. That is decent. And they play that weird five man front often. So there's a lot of different things going on there. It's amazing what competency can do, right? It, it put Baker Mayfield in a position to be a little bit more successful, uh, and it definitely helped in the run game. So, again, a lot of people pushing for spend the first three picks on a on offensive line. Competency is just going to be nice where you wherever you can find it. Let's find three or four competent offensive linemen and kind of go from there. Maybe have those top level left tackle and Joel Batonio and JC Treader, but let's find some competent ones. And there are not many in the NFL and it looks like Kendall lamb could be one who knew that that concussion um, issue and whatever, if he had other things going on that I forget about could have played such a huge role because Hubbard needed to be replaced in week two. Yeah. And you know, it's, you know, and that was the thing and we get it with so much, you know, everybody oh well you know it's fine well these guys played really well down the second half last year well it still doesn't change the overall scenario of who they were and lamb when he was brought in and you go and you look at pff and you go and you look at tape it's the spider-man meme between him and hubbard they weren't really much different except one was making 20 million and one was making you know chump change nfl wise but uh that worked out well um chris hubbard i don't know if you got wally pip today uh we'll see how that plays out there but you know and the one thing is with a streak, you usually don't want to mess with it too much. More coming with the OBRs, Jared Mueller, with Jeff Lloyd on your Locked On Browns postgame show. We usually talk about this after a loss, but after a win, um, maybe you don't always necessarily need the blue chew. Maybe on a victory Sunday night, you don't need the blue chew. Um, same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis. Check out bluechew.com. If you need a little help, look, the want to is never going to be there, whether or not you can finish off the want to. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Go ahead, check them out, bluechew.com. Use the promo code, all caps, get it, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, discreetly delivered to you. There's no reason, no shame to work out the prescription for you through their online site. Always appreciate the fine folks over at Blue Chew. Maybe you don't need it now. But um, once those credit card bills start rolling in after Christmas, you might need it then. Bluechew.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. Look at, look at Locked On Browns. Look at Locked On helping you get locked in with Blue Chew. I love it. Jared, we'll take what we can get here, brother. We do not care. We are not impartial. Um, Now, uh, look, offensively, the O-line play wasn't bad. Um. Nick Chubb, for the most part, a 57-yard run. Um, Baker, the first drive, looked good, which, hey, guess what? We're we're used to that. The whole freak Ninjoku, non-reception, fumble, interception. But the passing game kind of went south after that, and they didn't really do much else offensively other than the drive where Nick had the big run, and which led to the Kareem Hunt touchdown. 
Um, we'll get to that other last scenario because anytime guys wearing zebras goes in favor of Cleveland is just mind blowing. But and, and here was the worst part. Um, in that female announcer, look, she did a fantastic job. She gave a great effort. The Browns are running the ball well, and you go and you look. Well, they've ran the ball three times in a quarter and a half. It's not that they haven't run the ball well; they haven't run the ball. <laughs> at all and that's i think when you think about all the complaints if you want to boil down drama and take it out of the tmz world and into the reality i think what what it all boils down to is this browns offense which starts with freddie kitchens todd munkin baker mayfield there it doesn't make sense right like no one really understands what's going on unless it involves nick chubb and kareem hunt everything else is like oh great catch by jarvis you know snagged one or something broke or whatever. But in general, uh, I was watching the Buckeyes last night. Of course I was. Um, And it was really cool to watch Ryan day. Everything seemed to make sense. He was setting up this a quarter before and, and these things are connected to his players ability. And when you look at the Buckeyes, their wide receiver group for college level is really, really good. And they obviously have JK Dobbins and they have Justin Fields, right? There's, there's a lot going on there that reminds me of the Browns and all of their weapons, but everything Ryan day was doing made sense. Maybe not everything, but pretty much everything. And it was penetrating. It was, it was setting up one thing after another. And in Cleveland, besides the run game with hunt and Chubb, things don't seem to make sense. It just looks like plays thrown together. And so whether that's an issue because of Munkin and Freddie and their philosophies not coming together, if that's an issue of Baker and too many cooks in the kitchen, I don't know, but it doesn't make any sense. And someone with a Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. passing game should never go 11 for 24, especially against a Bengals defense that is bad at everything. Like they're just not good period you don't go 11 for 24 with a quarterback rating of 38.9 like that should not be happening but it is and that's not a talent issue and I'm not even saying it's a coaching issue it seems like a planning issue and I know that sounds like coaching but it's something about how they're going about planning that makes me wonder who the freak else is involved in this process Freddie Kitchens is smart Todd Munkin is smart the rest of those players are good what who is there other people involved that we don't know about is ryan lindley getting some run and getting some planning i don't know but this offense doesn't make sense unless they're just running the football it it seems like uh let's try this let's try that um they lose focus and then the other thing is well we're not really passing the ball so well so let's just abandon the run completely and we'll throw the ball four or five times in a row and we'll be happy if we get 12 yards and at least get one first down if we got to punt it we got to punt it no rhyme or reason. And look, it, it doesn't help when you hear reports that Mike McCarthy has spent this season where he's not coaching, getting antiquated at all the stuff that he probably needed to do two and three years ago while he was coaching the Green Bay Packers and get a little bit more modern philosophy to it. But there's, I 100% agree with you. And then there's today, like, you know, I see so many huddles. I'm like, oh, Damian Ratley's playing. Look, I love Damian Ratley, but like, how are we now to the point where which was once this great, deep and long wide receiver group where it's Hodge, it's Ratley. Um, you know, thank God Tamon Taylor wasn't playing because he probably would have gotten a little run. It, it just shows that they, they just seems like they're taking a whole bunch of crap, throwing it up against the wall and hoping for something to stick. And then you get bailed out by certain things where Baker Mayfield, who says, look, I really ain't that guy as far as these running quarterbacks, gives you one of the most athletic tiptoeing on the sidelines, touchdown runs you've ever seen. Uh, obviously, Nick bails you out with the 57-yard run. 
there's just no, nothing of this makes any sense. And look, I don't want to start over again. I don't. I, I don't want to do it again. But you look at an effort like today, and hey, it's great you got to win. But there ain't nothing here that made Freddie Kitchens and this offense look any better. And for everybody who wants to bring up Ron Rivera, guys, even if you love Ron Rivera, that's fantastic. What's the problem of this team? It's the offense. Ron Rivera is a defensive coach. So how exactly is that going to work? And every oh, well, Munkin will stay and Wilkes will stay. Munkin's looking to be a head coach. If he doesn't get an opportunity, guess what? Maybe I don't want to be here. Steve Wilkes got the worst screwover job in Arizona for one year. Well, if you're bringing in Ron, yeah, we're friends. But maybe I don't want to be here. I don't want to start over. But, Jared, I'm finding it really hard to believe that maybe you don't have to start over. Yeah, and I mean, it's a question that we can't answer. And while we're looking at this and going, this doesn't make any sense. What's going on? Maybe there is a purpose. I have for no flipping clue. But what's most important, I wrote this, uh, I don't know, in an airport last week after Thanksgiving, is <laughs> I really think the biggest question that John Dorsey has to ask about Freddie Kitchens is does he need to improve or does he need to change? Um, because improvement is something anybody can do, right? We all can get a little bit better at something we're already doing. So if I drink one Coke a day, I can drink two. That's possible. What is very much more difficult, and I don't give anybody in the profession and in professional sports the ability to do is to change. I can't go from drinking two Cokes a day to drinking none. Like that's a change that people struggle with. It's why New Year's resolutions fail. <laughs> a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, they always fail because change is really, really difficult. And no one at that professional level, and this sounds mean to say, deserves that uh, that uh, time to do that in that position as a head coach. So the real question is, is Freddie showing improvement? Are there things behind the scenes? Are they are they starting to understand? Is there Does Dorsey understand what's going on? There's just some improvement needed? Or is he does he just need total change? And that's something we can't answer. But when we watch this, we we don't have a clue what's going on, right? Like I, I was in our Slack channel for the OBR and I said, I don't I don't know who's improving, right? I don't have, you know, I've been doing this for a decade now, uh, covering the Browns for a decade at this point in time. And I could always go, this player's improving. Look at this young guy. Look at these little things to be excited about. We have good players, but I don't see improvement. I see Greedy Williams still struggling. I see Denzel Ward hot and cold. I see Joe Schobert still being great. I see Larry Ogunjobi a little, a lot of up and down. I see good players being good, but I don't see anybody improving. And so that's really where coaching comes down to. I just never know who's a good head coach. The problem is we just never do, right? Uh, Andy Reid fizzled out in Philadelphia. Looks like he kind of has his second win in Kansas City. Great. He's a great head coach now, but many people thought he was done in Philadelphia. I never know who's going to be a good head coach and who's going to turn the corner. Can Freddie turn the corner? I think so. Do I think John Dorsey is going to cut him? No, I just don't think he's going to let that happen with uh, basically his first head coaching hire ever. I don't think he's going to do that. And I'm like you, I'm sick of turnover, right? I think one of the reasons we lost to the Titans earlier this season, the Steelers last week is all of these players have done the same thing forever i mean they've been in the nfl and they've had kind of the same coach some stability they've been around the same players whatever it is there's a stability there and stability can't be measured but it freaking matters right and so i don't have to learn new play calls i feel comfortable in a system whatever all of that stuff matters and that can bring improvements i value that only because the browns have pretty much done everything else and it's never worked right they've tried every type of coach they've they've tried to be two years patience three years patience but nothing more than that. So at this point, I think I value 
trying the same thing versus trying something new because I don't know if if I can stand um, a whole lot of Mike McCarthy slant flat uh, that he ran 150,000 times in Green Bay. I can't see that play 150 times and be okay with that in Cleveland. Well, you know, maybe all of a sudden he's changed. But no, I do agree with you. And the other thing is with where your roster is now, and now where it's more of you need some tackle help, you're going to need some safeties. But you think you've got most of it in-house. So that's where I'm more of a, hey, let's run this back, just due to the fact that now everybody's at least been here a year. The main players, of course, have been here for a year. They know the drill. Look, Odell, he ain't going to show up for OTAs. Just deal with it. It's just the way it freaking goes. Um, Whether or not he truly wants to leave, um, what that comes down to me, Jared, is I got no more guaranteed money coming. Uh, what we just talked about with this head coach is, you know, if we're questioning, if we don't know if Freddie's it, I'm sure there's some of the key players who are questioning whether or not Freddie's it. This seems to me like a power play of, you know, me and Olivier came here. Uh, we were do some more guaranteed money. We ain't got it yet. And look, you know, John, John's kind of like that one. You're like your father-in-law. Oh man, forgot the check, but oh man, I left it. Oh, I was buying dinner. I left a credit card at home. And now you got some guys, and especially a key one in Mr. Schobert, where it just keeps going up, 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 and up. And look, John, we all love you and all, but um, you said you got me next time. And um, again, you ain't got your credit card on you. So that becomes an issue. And I think that's more of what came through Jay Glazer. And look, this stuff gets funneled. You all know how this works. Don't fall for it. But that's kind of where we're at with this. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's interesting to see uh, that John Dorsey has gone from untouchable. I think I tweeted something exactly like this from untouchable to a whole lot less than right. And I think when you look at next year, all of a sudden, if we just, and I'm working through some of the numbers and some stuff for for an article, but the Browns need two starting safeties. If they can't re-sign Schobert, I still think they need two starting linebackers. I'm not sold on Mac Wilson. Taki Taki could be something interesting. They need at least one more edge rusher. And Olivier Vernon's health and contract, all of that stuff, who knows where that goes. Uh, they need a third wide receiver. And they need possibly three starting offensive linemen. Right? All of that is needed on a team that wants to compete for a Super Bowl. Starting Both starting safeties, possibly the entire linebacking core, an edge rusher, third wide receiver, and three out of your five offensive starting linemen, I think are needed. Now, Drew Forbes could step in, Lamb could step in, whatever. Say it's two, I don't care. Keller could get better. Maybe between three guys, you can take down at least one spot. One of those, right. But think of the number that we just talked about that we can, we're not even like over-exaggerating to say that many starters are needed on a team that wants to be in a Super Bowl. So you're going to have a bunch of new players possibly coming in, or you're going to expect Sony Takitaki, Malcolm Wilson, and Sheldrick Redwine, who you drafted this year, but they're not, they weren't high level second round pick known going to be starters. You're going to expect them to take a next step. Again, are you going to do that with a new defensive coordinator too? So I think there's just so much going on there that you look at the Browns purse strings, you look at their salary cap, you look at all the needs and you go, Hey, John, you, you owe some players. You kind of, Told them you're going to take care of them, right? Come on, stepdad, John. And you got to fill all of these needs because you haven't drafted great besides a few guys. And free agency has turned out good, but you're kind of top heavy. We don't have a lot of depth. We haven't drafted in advance of free agency. So how are we doing here, John? 
I just think there's so much there that um, he's made some great decisions. He's made a lot of bad ones too, that have set the Browns up and himself up to really be between a rock and a hard place this off season, unless some other teams like, Hey, we got a great player. You want him for a little less than anything. Maybe that'll work out again for him. Yeah. And you know, and everybody with the Trent Williams, because what you really want to do right now is go ahead and add a, another $12 million player to this entire equation. When you have to give up a draft pick to do it and you need players there. Um, we're going to get to more here. Uh, having a blast here with Jared. Um, videos going, Pete doesn't do the video. Jared would, Having Jerry on the Jared on the video is definitely giving me some laughs here. Uh, if you are a Spotify user, uh, go ahead check to your year in wraps. I want to see it, um, guys. It's you know it's been a blast this year. You know as I mentioned yesterday, hit the million downloads. So go ahead. You know if you don't want to put out the amount of minutes you've listened to Lockdown Browns this year, because look, I I admit it for some of you, I see ten thousand. Uh, I can't believe it's been that much here. And please do not at my wife in those because that will not be a good thing at all for me whatsoever uh so go ahead throw those up for me also um yeah, the original casper mattress uh combines multiple supportive memory foams for quality sleep with the right amounts look guys you get older you get stressed you got work you need to get your sleep get 100 off towards your select mattress by visiting casper.com slash locked on nfl use the promo code all caps locked on nfl one thing you cannot mess around with as you get older, guys, is your sleep habits. You need it. Um, some of you are all going to be parents one day, <clears throat> Mr. Mueller. Um, one day, one day, you all are going to have to find a way to get your rest. It's the only way to get up every day and basically bang the drum continuously. Thanks to everybody at Casper for their sponsorship at the Lockdown Podcast Network. And as a mental health professional, just know that good sleep is one of the key predictors of preventing or delaying the onset of Alzheimer's. So sleep is key to brain health, body health, all of those kind of things. And we're not talking about medicated sleep. We're talking about getting some good sleep. So you need a good mattress for that, right? So, you know, you got to get your blue chew in, use the mattress, and then get your Casper on for the sleep time too. So just make sure you take care of all of that. But sleep is a huge thing that unfortunately in our society, we don't value enough. And then we drink a ton of caffeine um, that isn't healthy for us either. As I drink my Coca-Cola, I'm not sure what Jeff's <laughs> drinking over there, but it, I definitely am confident it, it might have some caffeine in it. So just make sure you take care of your sleep as well. The bedroom is important for multiple reasons. Um, my Starbucks folks, I love you. I love you, my Starbucks folks. Um, so yeah, maybe a workout before bed and then make sure you're sleeping on the appropriate one. Best way to check on that. Um, uh, Greedy Williams, and look, yeah, Greedy has been an issue. But Greedy, one thing today, though, Greedy drew two huge penalties. Uh, got Joe Mixon off his game, which was a huge game changer. Got a huge holding penalty, uh, obviously drawn, you know, drawn against him later in the game. So, look, even if Greedy, if it's not working out for you, and look, the coverage thing, if, he, if I see one more ball go over his head, I will lose my damn mind, and there he is trying to smack it away at the end. Uh, you know, look, it, it, there's work to be done on that. But the final drive, Jared, throw an interception. The referee, you know, it's reviewed. Referees say, yes, it is pass interference. Then you get the great screen to Jarvis Landry. We're going to review this for offensive pass interference. The Browns got two calls in about four or five plays, which literally they were like Patriot calls. I mean, for all the calls anybody didn't think the Browns got this year, they certainly got the benefit of the doubt on that drive. And it also makes me think that 
somebody in the NFL is really excited to hear the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Either that or that the, they just um, on whatever channel I'm watching, they just put in the hunt and Cleveland's still in there. Right. So we're in the hunt. Yeah. It was really interesting to see that those calls went our way. And, you know, I think there is at some point there's a turning point of uh, feeling bad for the Browns this season. Cause there was hope and there was expectation Maybe. and there is talented players. Right. So before it used to be terrible players or players, the refs have never heard of, have no relationship with or whatever it is. Um, Mahomet doesn't deserve a call. <laughs> right, exactly. Or, look, Duke Johnson has the ball, but we're going to say the other team recovered it. Uh, you know, those kind of things happen. Oh but, again, God, we have that with the David Njoku call uh, today. So it is rare that those things go our way. I think that Jarvis Landry screen is a perfect example of a team that just doesn't have the details, right? Um, Baker can't pump fake that four times. Like that just cannot happen. That is a play that is detail oriented. Boom, boom, boom. Got to get it out. Let's go. Right. I don't care if it's an incompletion An incompletion is better than a 10 yard penalty at times. Right now it worked out, but it was just lucky. Carlson was blocking that guy before Jarvis got the ball or whatever. Um, and so, and again, us getting the benefit of the doubt with OBJ and that pass interference interception and all that stuff. Again, maybe it's a makeup call from that fumble slash interception with Njoku. Um, but it's just funny to see how um, I said on Twitter, it's always interesting. Like there's nothing simple about no. covering this team, caring about this team, nothing. Even I was at the Dolphins game, had great seats, hanging out with a bunch of the guys and gals. And we're up, we're killing them. And I'm like, I'm going home early. Great. I got a three and a half hour drive. Wait, crap. I got to stick around for all of Ryan Fitz magic and all that bull crap, you know? So it's, it's always really interesting. Um, some people are going to see there's a video now out of the huddle going on and OBJ standing off in his position at wide receiver while a huddle, the Browns are in huddle. Like there's, there just feels like there's always something going on there, and people are that gonna... happened. That happened when he was a giant. Just in case everybody wants to know, sometimes they didn't always go to the huddle. Just so everybody knows. But, but yes, I mean, this is just what smart. Odell brings. Yes, yeah. And so I mean, it's interesting that we went from manufacturing drama to the fact that OBJ just in and of himself has a drama nature to him. Um, but I feel like this, the Glazer report, was kind of the first time. I've ever really been concerned about him as a teammate, right? Like going to other players or other coaches going, yeah, come get me. I'm sick of this bull crap. Like he's been kind of a diva and done all his, his crap in New York, but I always felt like he was a great teammate and it was never meant to hurt the team. It was just passion and all that stuff. This report and Glazer isn't somebody who's reporting without at least nope. some feeling of truth, right? This report is one where I'm questioning him as a teammate. And to be honest, no matter what anybody ever said, it never gave me any reason to question him as a teammate in New York. He made stupid decisions, but as a teammate, he cared and he was passionate. He was invested. This is the first time I have some concern about that, which makes the whole not going to the huddle thing feel even worse. Was he talking to the the Bengals guy? Like, Hey, you and I should go someplace. You be a free agent, then talk him into trading for me kind of thing. Yeah. And, well, and that's even the thing. And, and, and of all this though, if there's the possibility and it makes some sense if there is the sports hernia there where, you know, he's going to need surgery. Look, you understand where now all of a sudden why in I've seen this, you know, I, there's not one more prospect I probably loved more than Odell. And it's just like, well, you know, and everybody, we're not getting Odell the ball enough. And it's well, kind of like, well, are you really looking at it? Cause he's not really open. It's not like there are, you know, just disregarding it. He's not open. 
So the possible sports hernia and maybe surgery or not surgery, because once a Jay Glazer report comes out, then a Josina Anderson report comes out. And, you know, look, these agencies, they know what they're doing. They feed it to one. So there's always it leaves you in a realm of you don't know what's real and what's not. Do I believe he's not 100 percent? I do. I absolutely do. The player on the field, you see that. And you see there's glimpses sometimes, and then you see there's glimpses where he is not himself. Whether or not he's truly happy here, I don't know. And look, when you are one of these guys who are the upper echelon as far as the money-making, you're always wor- you're not worried about the current money. You're always worried about the next money, which I-, I do get as well. Could it be an indictment on Freddie? It could be. Um, but then again, he came from New York where it was nothing special either. Uh, and, or it could just be the, he's never going to be happy and I'll hate to have to get to that. He'll never be happy. And you guys know, I will tell you, like, I see it the way I feel it. It's getting closer to the, maybe this is just somebody that cannot be appeased and all of this, you know, I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. Well, that's fantastic. That's great. Uh, AJ green has always wanted to win. And guess what? The one thing we don't say about a guy like AJ green is he's ever been an issue other than injuries. It's not like, you know, he created all of this. He got his money. He got paid. Granted, in Cincinnati versus New York, where he didn't get the endorsements another player did. But you got to do what, at the end of the day, what your job is. Love Odell. And and here's the thing, though. If he's go, he wants to get out, guess what? Now you spend $50 on something that you're going to get $1 in return for because possibly he's going to be coming off of a, a sports hernia surgery. Well, and I think one of the things that'll be interesting is does he get a little confirmation bias? Like when you have Ben McAdoo as your head coach, do you start to look for the problems, right? Like if you've had a lot of crazy exes, you start to look for the crazy in the next relationship, mm-hmm. right? So I wonder if there's a little bit of that confirmation bias where he's almost looking for what is Freddie doing wrong, Monk doing wrong or whatever. But I just think it also, I think the sports hernia could do something for me and that's explain the confusion. If your number one target or your number one progression in most of your passing plays can't practice. Why is your timing off? Why is Jarvis getting more balls? Why and is he doesn't, happening? and he wasn't there for OTAs and he didn't take one preseason snap. Right. So you have all of that going on, which would have been okay if he's able to practice. Joe Thomas didn't practice, but that really wasn't as important as an offensive lineman. As long as he could play on, on Sunday and knew what he was supposed to do, he wasn't dependent on anything, but we've seen, we know quarterback wide receiver. It is split second, right? It's within one to three seconds that a decision is made before anything else has happened. And all of a sudden OBJ is one yard away from where he's supposed to be. And Baker is one yard off of his pass. Now you're two yards off. And that ball is an incompletion is a tip for an interception, all that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden, your number one progression, you don't have a lot of confidence in. You haven't practiced with him. Now you're going to your number two, quicker, faster, whatever. And I think it just, it could explain. It could explain why the offense just can't figure it out. What do you do? Do you make Jarvis your number one progression all the time then? And then you could really piss off OBJ because he is your best (laughs) wide receiver. But could that be best for your offense, right? Because OBJ is walking through timing is it's really has been timing all year long with Baker and OBJ and Baker's probably frustrated trying not to say stuff trying to understand OBJ who's got this dynamic relationship and dynamic personality and him and Jarvis it could explain it all that doesn't mean it's okay it could explain a lot of their passing offense not working I don't know when OBJ has or hasn't practiced 
Um, we see them out there, but it's rarely at full speed uh, when we're when the media is available uh, to to watch the practice. So they could explain a lot. That doesn't mean it's okay. And in the end, how many of us thought this team was winning nine or ten games this season? They're still in line that they could win nine games, right? So given all of the bullcrap, right, all of the drama, all of the Freddie's first year, he's never been, he was a coordinator for eight games. The Browns still could win nine games this year. Injuries, suspensions, bad offensive line play, everything. The Browns still, probably not going to, but still could win nine games and still be in the hunt into week 16 and 17. All that being said, I think we have to at least look at that big picture and go, huh, nine wins, kind of what I expected. Ten would have been nice. And I think that is more of a reasonable way of looking at this season than this team sucks. Everybody's got to restart. Let's trade OBJ. Let's whatever. Yeah, and, but I mean, this would also bring part of it of, you know, you go to the Ram game where you had no starting secondary player play that game. And guess what? It's first and goal from the six. And where's Odell? Where's Odell? Where's Odell? And and maybe this is it because maybe he's just and what it is with a sports hernia, he's lacking short area quickness. And which has been Odell's calling card. It's you know, I'm at step three, you're still at step two. I'm quicker out of my cut than you are at reading me. And, and that's maybe what we've kind of lost here. And it was kind of funny. They went right to him the first play of the game today, just to kind of tell everybody, hell yeah, hey, he's, <laughs> he's he's still part of it. We still like him. Um, but look, you, you, end of the day, it's 27, 19, you were now six and seven headed out to Arizona. Um, this one is definitely going to be interesting. You know, Kyler Murray, obviously coming from Oklahoma. Um, I, it was funny when I got to talk to Ricky Seals jr. Earlier in the year, because, you know, knows Baker knows Kyler Murray. It just like the, the whole way of it. It's, it's just crazy how it all comes and we'll see how it works out. And again, it'll be a week where the Browns should win a game. But again, we've said this many times. If the Browns play like they are capable of playing, it should be a win. It doesn't always work out that way. Jared, anything you want to close with? And but it's been too long, and it's always yeah, buddy. Hey, you know the one thing I want to—I'm excited for—is how does the Cliff Kingsbury Baker Revenge Tour? How does that go? Because I'm not sure he dislikes someone as much as he might dislike cliff kingsbury so that's the one thing i'm excited for this week is today they tried to get obj the ball a lot what do they do against arizona to just let baker and all of his big chip on his shoulder just try to destroy that arizona team that's what i'm looking forward to i think it could be a lot of fun in the dome on that turf all of that stuff can turn out to be a lot of fun again if the browns do what the browns should do against the Cardinals man it's been a good time you know you've taken uh lockdown Browns to to from a mom and pop shop to a juggernaut and and beyond and it's fun to see brother so I'm glad you've you've cleaned up the place you've you've renovated it and you've taken well good care of it um I, I just got you know I just got a little beer college beer fridge in here that's all that's pretty much what we did as far as renovations Jared which you are appreciated <laughs> um guys for Jared and obviously all the folks over at the Orange Brown Report make sure you're following at Jared Mueller everything over at the Orange Brown Report uh to Pete and the Streetsboro crew I hope it's a great night because you guys all deserve it hell of a year and you just it was fun to kind of like shadow it the entire time this show itself at Locked On Browns all lowercase the always a follow-back account. DMs are open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. 
DMs are open. Anything you all want to talk about, you know how to get in touch with me. Anything you want to put into the show. Um, for hitting the 1 million mark, um, Zabo Apparel wants to help me give away some stuff. We're going to do that tomorrow. We'll find some fun ways to do it. We'll get you guys hooked up. Um, plus, it's Christmas time, so I need to buy some stuff. Check out the folks over at Zabo Apparel. Again, thanks to Jared. Appreciate you all for being along for the ride. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog found. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.